Hallelujah. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, let's see here. We have uh, at the end of August, at the end of August, we have really special meetings with uh, Brother Ted Shellsworth Sr. He's doing a massive uh, tent meeting right here in Albemarle that we are playing a part of and hosting, and it's going to be awesome. So August 22nd through August 27th, and uh, that tent meeting is going to be, we just went to the one in Roxborough, we went to the one in Raleigh uh, where he was doing it there. Earlier this year, uh, the Lord spoke to him and he said, smack North Carolina with the good news of Jesus, amen? And I said, man, if he's doing that, if the Lord's up to something, I want to be a part of it. And uh, as we went there, uh, people were healed. He hears from the Lord so clearly, it's it's just amazing, and uh, I've, I've never seen somebody put on a clinic of the working of miracles like he does. And uh, just for me to sit there as a pastor, I'm like, look at that. Look at how he flows in the anointing and somebody will get healed, 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 healed. And it, it's just amazing. Well, that's going to be here at the end of August. So how many people are ready for that? Amen. Glory. Well, that Sunday morning also, he's going to be here at Boomerang. And so he told me he's going to minister uh, and if you don't know, he normally doesn't do that as far as I know, but I asked him to, and he said, yeah, well, we can do that. So um, he felt led of the Lord to be here. So that's going to be an awesome morning to kick off that week. It's going to be great. We're going to have things to do. Uh, we're going to have some stuff, time that we want to have volunteers to put up the tent and uh, do all kinds of stuff. They'll be uh, loading up. We're going to give away, I believe, we are got this in the works. We're going to give away something like a thousand uh, boxes of food to the community. We're going to help them pay bills. We're going to do all kinds of stuff to serve our community and show them the love of God. It's going to be a great, great week. And uh, if you would like to participate in that, just be ready. Make sure that around that week and literally the week before in that week, keep some time open so that you can serve. And uh, because what will happen as we serve people will come into the kingdom of God. Amen. And that's what it's all about is them finding Christ. Let me tell you a, a testimony that just happened in Roxborough. I think it was the last night. It was Friday. And uh, the last night there were uh, two girls driving by and literally they, they, something, the Holy Ghost, we know it's the Holy Ghost, but they, they ran up to the altar like this and they stood there at the altar. He's in the middle of preaching. He's right in the middle of preaching. And, and he said, what are you doing? He said, something told us to come under this tent. And they came under the tent and gave their life to Christ right there. They stopped the car. They not You could tell, and they said it, that we hadn't been living where we needed to be living. Something told us to stop, go under that tent. And the Holy Spirit drew them. It was beautiful. Like, you hear stories about that. That's what was going to be here in Albemarle. And uh, it's just going to be awesome. It's going to be a great week. So let's get ready for that. And we have some flyers for that. If you'd like to have one, put it on your fridge. Uh, take some with you. Put them at a store. Start getting these flyers out there. We'll have stacks of them. We have a whole bunch of them uh, for the whole county and other churches to share with them as well. Amen? Amen. 
So make sure you get one on the way out. Guys, let's make sure we have a big, uh, big stack of them as everybody's going out. Glory to God. Also, uh, we want, we've got these invite cards that we just got, and we want to give one of these to every person. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, if you would, you can go ahead and give one, just one to each person. Don't give more, just one. All right, here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. This week, I want you to take this card and I want you to make sure that you invite one person to come to Boomerang. All right, I want you to invite one person. Say, all you got to do is say, Lord, show me who that person is and invite that one person. What happens if we get invite-minded to say, hey, God's doing something? God's doing something. God's healing people that couldn't raise their arm a few minutes ago. Now they can't. That pain that they had, now it's gone, right? God's doing something. God's saving souls. He's saving lives. He's blessing their finances. That's exciting. People need help, and people are looking for help. Amen? So this is, will you commit to me? If you'll commit to me, will you just raise your invite card up? Lord, I'm going to find one person. That's it. One person this week. Now, if you get really good at it and you want more people, that's fine. Uh, but I, I just, if I could get everybody in here just one person a week, that's going to make a huge difference. Amen. Glory to God. All right. So let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. We've been talking about how to have a full life in God's hands. A full life in God's hands. Now it's interesting because how many people kind of thought at one point in your life that, you know, I just got to make it through this earth and in the sweet by and by it'll be okay. But right now, you know, there's something about uh, when, we, when man came under the curse, there's something about when man came under the curse that they felt like they had to pay the price for everything. And before Jesus came, there was, it was different. But when Jesus paid the price, the price paying was over. Okay? When Jesus paid the price, the price paying was over. In other words, who in here would have ever paid a higher price than the Son of God? Nobody, ever. Nobody's ever going to pay a higher price than the Son of God. Nobody's ever going to pay. So when he said on that cross, it is finished, he said, I paid the highest price. Nobody will pay a higher price. In other words, when you try to pay a price for your sin, you're just paying a second time that you don't need to do. And so what happens is there's kind of a corrupted mindset that thinks as long as we're on this earth, it's just not going to be great. And, you know, as we go forward, but may, one day in the sweet by and by, when we go to heaven, everything will change. Maybe one day everything will change. But I'm telling you this morning, that is not the Bible. <laughs> that is not the word of God. That is not the good news. No, he says, I came that your joy may be full. Right. That your joy may be full. I want to show you something about that. In, if you're in heaven and you're in the presence of God, is your joy full? Mm, can you stop it? Not really. 
you're in his presence. I mean, your joy is full, right? All right, so what we see is if he says, I came that your joy might be full, we're not talking about then. Because if there's a place where your joy can be full and a place where your joy can't be full, that's not in heaven. That's here on the earth. So it's here that he wanted our joy to be full. It's here that he was giving us options and conditions to walk out some things so that where we weren't in joy, now we can be in joy, right? It's here. It's here. But there, see, sin and corruption and the curse wants us to pay a price all of our life. Oh, it's just going to be hard here on earth. Just going to be hard here on earth. And it won't. That's a sin thought. Think about this. Adam never had that thought before he sinned. I just got to pay this price. And I want you to see. So in the Garden of Eden, before sin and the curse came in, before sin, say it with me, before sin and before the curse came in, right? Before sin, when the will of God was done perfectly, Adam was not thinking, oh, I've just got to pay a price. No, Adam was just walking and operating like God told him to. He was doing God's work and filled by the power of God. He was doing everything God wanted him to do. He wasn't thinking about paying a price. He was just, Lord, I'm yours. I'll be obedient. You notice that Jesus told us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. He said, pray this way. And then one, one of the things that he said was, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. Do you think in heaven they're going to be paying a price? No, the price is already paid. They're already there. They're in the presence of God. Solutions abound, right? No, on earth as it is in heaven. So what's an interesting thing here? An interesting thing is in the garden, we see man's not paying a price. We see uh, in heaven, man's not paying a price. What is he doing? He's being obedient. So Adam had work to do, and, and one of the things that we saw was have, the Lord would bring animals in front of him. He would name the animals, right? He, this is some of the work. He would tend to the garden. He had work to do, but he wasn't paying a price. But as soon as sin came in, we felt like, oh, I've got to pay a penance. I've got to pay a price for my sin. I'm just so bad. I, watch the, follow the logic. All of a sudden, it's just going to be rough on me as long as we're here on this earth because I just got to, you know, I'm just so unworthy without God. I'm just, I'm just an old sinner, right? And all of a sudden, you're moving in the place where you're paying a price that Jesus already paid because of the thinking of a corrupted society instead of saying, no, my joy can be full right here, right here. Where's my water? Thank you. Right here, right here. Amen. So you see that if we don't, if we don't correct this thinking, then we'll try to pay a price the rest of our life when God's saying, just receive what I've already done. 
I've already paid a price. Not only that, if I'm trying to pay a price for my life to get better, then what I'm, what I'm saying is I'm trying to pay a price greater than what Christ did. Christ's price wasn't enough. Well, then how could he say it is finished? If it wasn't enough, how could he say on the cross it's finished? As a matter of fact, if his price wasn't enough and he says that, then he would be lying. And he didn't lie. And he didn't lie. So now what we do have, sometimes you'll hear ministers that say the anointing comes at a cost, right? And what they're saying is true, but it's not the same. You're not talking about apples and apples. It's apples and oranges. You You don't pay a price for your joy to be full. God already did that. The, the cost that we have in our life is my flesh wants to do this, but my spirit, born again in God, says go this way. And I'm going to choose to not entertain my flesh so that I can live by the spirit of God. This is, and this, some people will say this is the cost. And I would agree in looking at it in that way. But here's the thing. The things that we would give up in the flesh over here, and this is what we'll look at some today, what we would give up over here, God will give you the grace to actually put that stuff down. And you'll be happy about it if you do it right. Now, if all you're thinking about is the flesh and everything about the flesh and, oh, I just, I want to really go do that. I enjoyed doing that sin. It was pleasurable for a season, the Bible said. I really like that. And I just want to, then you're going to be sitting over here like, God, oh, this church stuff just stinks. I just don't want, I don't want this at all. Because all we're, we're not tapping into what God's provided. We're tapping into a corrupted and worldly mindset, a fleshly mindset. Romans chapter 8. The mindset on the flesh is death, lack. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. And one of the things that we see is that when we actually go into God and we say, Lord, I want to do things your way. And in 2 Corinthians 9, it shows us a way of God. It actually says in 2 Corinthians 9 that if we will purpose ourselves to be a sower. In other words, I'm not paying the price of giving up the fleshly ways. I'm sowing that into God by love. And if I will purpose myself to sow those old sinful habits, God will give you a grace that abounds. He'll give seed to the sower. In other words, he will empower you to sow that. So as long as we want to hold on to the fleshly things, then it's going to be a struggle and it's going to be hard and it's going to be heavy. But if we will turn to God and we will come to Jesus and we'll say, Lord, I want to sow that stuff, all of a sudden we will find a supernatural grace, a supernatural power that just lets us leave that stuff behind. And it's easy to walk over here. It's easy to do that. Now, all of these thoughts and ideas play into this chapter, 1 Peter chapter 4. You've heard me say it. We've been on this chapter for quite a while, is that this whole chapter is a chapter talking about suffering, right? Old joy, hey, suffering, 
And, but what we did at the beginning was we talked about what was suffering. And so I wrote down, you know, persecution. What is persecution? Because as soon as you hear the word persecution and suffering, what does your fleshly brain think? I don't want any of that. I don't want any persecution. I don't want any suffering. That's the first thing that happens. I don't want any of that with your fleshly mind. So if you pay attention to your fleshly mind, you read persecution in your Bible, you're like, no, 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 persecution. Oh, okay, let's go to the next thing. You know, we, let's just jump over those verses and get to the next one. We don't want to talk about persecution and suffering. But then in 1 Peter chapter 4, it says something very interesting. It says, arm yourself with suffering. So that means I become stronger when I understand suffering. Doggone it. I didn't want to talk about persecution and suffering, but yet here it is right in our face, right in the Bible, and we have a responsibility for it. So one of the things that we want to look at is what are these things? And I'll give you the definition one more time this morning. Persecution is a harassment from the world because of Jesus. Persecution is a harassment from the world because of Jesus. So for example... You put something Christian about Christ on the Facebook. Somebody, almost assuredly, is going to talk about you because they saw you post about Christ and they don't want to, they, they don't want to give themselves wholly to Christ so they'll persecute you for that. But then you, and that's a persecution. Simply because you identify yourself as being in Christ, now all of a sudden people are going to talk about you. They're going to harass you over that issue. Okay? Different from suffering, but they are similar. But then you have, and this is, most people think persecution is where Saul was pulling the Christians out of the church, out of their houses, throwing them in jail, killing Christians. That's what they think persecution is. But that is defined by the Bible as great persecution. He says at that time, a great persecution came against the church. So the persecution in itself is simply a harassment because some people would say, we don't have persecution in America. That's not true. We don't have really great persecution in America, but we do have persecution. There's a harassment. Actually, more today than I've ever seen in my lifetime just for being for Jesus. There's a persecution. Now, it's important to understand these things because if you don't understand these things, then when you read scriptures and chapters like... Peter 4, it's, it's going to look funny to you, all right? But the next thing is suffering. So most people think that suffering is, well, I just, now watch. And, and now that I've explained the other piece, you can see this. They think suffering is, I just got to trudge through this old world until I go to be with Jesus. And what they're doing is they're saying, I've got to pay a price because I'm suffering for Jesus. But that's not what this is talking about. It's not what it's talking about at all. No, we're supposed to be the overcomer, more than a conqueror. Thanks be unto God who's always leading us to triumph in Christ and manifesting through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. That's who we're supposed to be. Now, how can I just got to suffer through this world and sweet aroma of the manifestation of God in every place? How can those two things be the, be the same and be right? They're not both. No, 
Suffering is this. A spirit-led life that's overcoming perceived hardships derived from going through this life of fleshly corruption. Here's what that means. As we walk through this world that has in it corruption, as we walk through this world of corruption, we're going to face issues. For example, Jesus faced some hardships when he got in that boat and all of a sudden the storms came. That demonic storm came. That storm is here because sin and the curse is in the world. But see, he was walking on a different level. There was a different set of laws he was operating by. There was a different set of life and the fullness of joy that he was operating by. And whereas on an onlooker that doesn't understand these things would say, man, he's in a bad spot, right? That's not good. He's between a rock and a hard place. Where most onlookers would say, he's in a bad spot. Jesus got on to the disciples for not having any faith to go through it, to overcome it. Jesus didn't see himself in a bad spot. He just said, hey, here's something. Here is a suffering and a hardship we're designed to go through, to go through. And so the whole mindset shifted. What did the disciples do? Oh, gosh, we, I hope make it and suffer through this storm. Oh, Jesus. You know, Jesus, don't you care that we die? This is words, right? Don't you care? We're dying up here. You're asleep on the pillow in the bottom of the boat. We're dying up here, right? We're dying. I know y'all never had emotions like that. You've never faced any situations like that whatsoever. I, you know, Nicole and I have more than a few times. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? If this doesn't change, it feels like we're dying. You know, and that's the way, that's the way the disciples were. And Jesus is like, he wakes up off his pillow. He goes up there. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. He spoke to the storm. He brought the fullness of God, the grace of God, the supply of God and manifested it over a corrupted world and walked through the hardship. This is what every believer has. Now the issue is the devil tried to, what is the devil going to have you trying to focus on? The storm, the problems, the hardship, the whole, we're in this world but for a season, but one day in the sweet by and by, we'll make it through and we'll be with Jesus in heaven and it'll be okay. That sounds holy. Some people, you know, if you said that in the right places, they'd be like, amen. Like you don't need to amen that. That's not Bible. Uh, amen means so be it. Do you want that to happen? Don't say, if you don't want it to happen, don't say Amen. Don't say amen. Amen means, Lord, bring it to pass. So be it. You don't want that. No, I want the victory that Christ gives me. The overcomer, overcoming, the more than a conqueror, the victory in every situation at all times. Why? Because I just want it? No, because he told me to have it. 
and it becomes a witness to the world. She mentioned something earlier in Proverbs chapter 4, I think it's verse 18. It says, the steps of the righteous get brighter and brighter to the full day sun. That means the plan of God is to take you brighter every step. Whoo, more light, more glory, more revelation. Next step, more light, more glory, more revelation. Next step, more light, more glory, more revelation, more victory, more overcoming, more, more than conquering, more victory and triumph in Christ. Every step, every step in Christ is supposed to be like this. When, this is what, this is what Barrett was saying earlier, this is biblical. When, when, when. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's it. So, and, and a couple of verses to back this up. A spirit-led life is overcoming the perceived hardships. Now that word there, I put it in specifically as I was making this definition is perceived. Ah, because the word teaches us that what looks hard is actually easy in Christ. It looks hard. And an onlooker that didn't know any better would say, that's hard. But for us who know who we are in Christ, who know that if we will come to Jesus and take his yoke upon us, it will be easy and light, and that's a revelation to us, that's an absolute to us, then I don't go into a situation going, oh, God, this is going to be so hard. No, but that, if it's going to be so hard, that means I'm not coming to Jesus. But I'm supposed to come to Jesus. I'm supposed to reach out and take him by the hand. It says, if you'll come to me, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. He said, I'll teach you my ways. I'm gentle. In other words, he's not rough, and he's not like, get it straight, you know. <laughs> I had flashbacks of childhood at times, you know. It's like... <laughs> I got an amen. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's like, you know, somebody, you know, sometimes dads were brought up in a different, a different way, and it was rough. And part of that rough was because if they made mistakes, they died. It was different. We, we, are, we have a lot of checks and balances in place. So under, don't, just, don't just be judgmental. Be merciful. Understand what, what happened. You know, it's kind of like this. If... When, when they didn't have cars, they didn't have the hospital systems that we have, they didn't have ambulances and 911. This was just a generation ago. Just a generation. They hurt themselves by not thinking on the farm, and they bleed, they bleed out and die. So they didn't have the luxury of missing it, and so that's why you'd have dads that would jerk a knot in somebody. <laughs> I see we, we've had some of those. That's why we had a dad. And I want you to know, there's some not jerking probably needs to happen right now, a little bit more in this. In this. I'm not saying go, go to the place where you're harsh in that way, but you can see how that would be. There's some things that we've overlooked. And it, I, I once heard a preacher say, if, if the found, well, the scripture says, if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? In other words, what he got to when he asked this question is, before you start tearing down foundations, a really, really, really important question is, why was that there in the first place? Because it was built for a purpose 
For example, you know, if you just started tearing down, let's say you live next to a farm and there was this old, you know, rusty barbed wire uh, fence and you just started, hey, that, that fence is ugly, so I'm just going to tell you, I don't like that fence, so I'm going to tear it down. Well, you better know that the bull that lived there for, for 10 years don't live there no more, Right? <laughs> Because you start tearing down that fence and he still lives there, that could be bad for your car, for, you, for the little you go, right? <laughs> that could be bad. You know, don't, in other words, you don't just go rip it down. You find out why it was there, right? It's important to understand. And so a lot of times what will happen is, and we've got some of that going on in our society. We're just wanting to change things. Let's, let's back up and see why they were there. But the biggest thing is this right here. Let's make sure that these things are here. Because if they're here, it's always going to be right. This is our standard. This is our fullness of life right here. All right, so now you look at this and you see perceived hardships. He says, if you come to me... My way is gentle. In other words, he's not just going to jerk a knot in somebody because they missed it. That doesn't mean he's not going to correct. Remember, he corrected the disciples even on that ship. But he still, by definition, says this is a gentle way. In other words, he was loving them to say, Why are you of little faith? Why are you of little faith? And what's he doing? He's being real with them. He's, He's giving them what they need. He's saying, Look, you need to come up. You need to come up because if you keep thinking like this, next storm comes along, you're going to die because you don't know who you are in me and the word that God gave me, that the Father gave me to get me to the other side. He says, come up, come up. Now, some people today would be like, oh, he hurt my feelings, but it wasn't right. It was right because it was Christ. He never sinned. I've never seen such an offendable society in all my life. I mean, just offense. Like, how about we just grow, grow a tail and, 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 and grow a thick skin and don't be offended all the time? Doesn't, doesn't the word tell us that we should persevere? Doesn't he tell us that we should, we should not be easily offended? That's the Bible. So let's, let's grow there. Now, here's what I want you to see is that Jesus is not going to be harsh, jerk a knot in somebody, but he will be real. And there's a difference between the two. Real. He will be real. Why? Because if he's not real, lives hang in the balance. Many times, you've you got to understand the, the shepherd or a, a pastor is many times seen as a shepherd, of course. Jesus is the great shepherd. Pastors are under shepherds. But the shepherd had the shepherd's crook, right? And one side was to beat back the wolves, and the other side was to grab hold of a sheep that was down in a ditch and pull them out or, or to yank them back from the, the uh, falling off the cliff. In other words, in that moment, you got a sheep that's running towards a cliff and, and the shepherd reaches out there and stops it. And, and many times today, the sheep's like, ah, he choked me, you know. And, and it's like, no, I saved your life because you were about to die. Yeah. And so it's many times people be like, that was hard. No, that was life-saving is what that was. It wasn't hard. It was life-saving. And it was real because the reality was, 
Two seconds later, you're jumping off the cliff. You have to watch that. You have to be mindful. That's what a shepherd does. And our flesh doesn't always see all of those things. That our flesh doesn't always see all of that stuff. But God does. And he says, if you'll come to me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It will be real. It will be real. But overall, you'll find that I am gentle. That's who I am. He says, I'm gentle. I'll teach you. So we can go to God and say, Lord, teach us. So one of the things he says, though, he says, if you will take me by the hand, watch this, every hardship that I'll lead you to, I'll lead you through. And it won't be hard and heavy. It will be easy and light. And so what we can discern from this is if I don't feel easy and light, if I'm going, oh, this is so hard, then my, something's wrong. My perception is wrong. I'm, I'm not coming to Jesus. I'm not taking him by the hand. Something's off. And so I will always look. If I start feeling hard and heavy in any way in my thoughts or anything like that, I use that as a, a symptom. Something's off. What is it? Lord, show me what I need, what I need to get it back in place. Lord, something's off. Because you said if I come to you, your, way, your yoke is easy and light. Show me how I'm out of easy and light. But then you see this in John 17, 13 through 16. He says this, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. So he says, I'm coming to you so that my joy may be made full. Now we're talking about a heavenly joy. We're not talking about a, a little earthly joy. We're talking about the joy of heaven, the joy of God. Is this complete? Is this a complete joy? Is this a joy that's overflowing? Is this a joy of the Lord that's outstanding? Yeah, and he said, I'm coming to you that your joy may be full. Now, not... And he's saying this because your joy might not would be full if you don't operate by these things, which means we're not up in heaven. He's coming so that that joy may be full on the earth. Okay? Then watch, he says this. He says, verse 14, I have given them your word, so the word will help us with, to have full joy. The world has hated him, them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So we're talking about some persecution. So because they are in Jesus and they're not of this world, it, uh, the, wor the word says that the world hates Christians. They hated Jesus. They'll hate Christians. That's a part of it. But when people find Christ, they'll understand, oh my goodness, why did I fight this? Why did I go against God's word? Why did I go? This is so great. We've seen those testimonies so many times over the years. But then it says this. He says, he's praying, Jesus is praying to the Father. He says, I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. In other words, we are kept. Yeah. Say that with me. Say, we are kept. We're kept. We're held. We're protected. Yeah. 
Now, that doesn't mean that people cannot put faith in it and not have it. In other words, if, if I have a promise of God and I don't put faith in it, then I won't have that promise made manifest. But if I'll see that promise and I'll take hold of it and I'll make it mine, then I can walk as a kept person. I can be kept. But I've got to see the promise and I've got to put faith in it. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So if I have a promise I don't put faith on, I won't overcome the world with that promise. But if I have a promise and I'll put faith on it, now I can overcome the heaviness of the world, the hardships, the suffering, the persecution by putting faith in that promise. So I need to put faith in that promise. I need to put faith there and say, I am kept from the evil one. What if every believer got that inside of them as a, as a real big revelation? I'm kept. And then the devil comes. He tries to throw something on you. He tries to throw some, some hardship, some sickness, some, some depressing thought. And immediately what will happen, if you've got revelation of that, it'd be like darkness trying to come in a light room. And that darkness, what happens to the darkness immediately? Pfft, gone, because the light's on. When you get revelations like the light's on, every step of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. The more revelation we get, the more we start to see, the more we start to see, this can't stay here. That little sickness can't stay. That depressing thought can't stay there. No, I'm kept. I'm kept. And see, when it becomes real to you and revelation to you, all of a sudden, now watch this. Before it became revelation, before it became revelation, here's what happened. You walked up, hardship, boom, smacks you in the face, right? Oh, my goodness. A yeah, big, ugly, demonic storm in my life. Oh, I don't want to go through that. That stinks. And we back away from the task. But when we have a revelation that Jesus told me to go through it, we have a revelation that even though I'm in it, I'm kept from the evil one. And even though I'm in it, there's something that Jesus will give me. His power, his strength, his grace. I can go through this thing. So now somebody that doesn't have revelation of that, they'll come up to a hardship and they'll back away and be like, oh, I don't want to go through that, you know. But somebody who does have revelation will come up to a hardship, boom, and be like, Oh, no. Oh, no. We're going through. And in the middle of the storm, they'll bring peace. They'll bring peace. So you can see that the devil tries to use persecution to back the church down. He tries to use hardship to keep them down. But they're designed to go straight through. The church is designed to go straight through persecution, to go straight through suffering and hardship. It's designed. They're made in the image and likeness of God. Just like, was Jesus designed to go through hardship and, and suffering and persecution? Yeah. And, and I want you to see something. When he won the victory there, he won the victory for you for all time. There didn't have to be another sacrifice. There didn't have to be another price paid. There just had to be somebody that said, it looks like I'm paying a price, but I know who's putting the money in my pocket. And what I pull out to pay the price is what is the seed he gives to me. He'll give me grace to walk on the water. He'll give me the strength and grace to speak peace to the storm. 
He'll give me the grace to overcome a depressing thought. He'll give me the grace to put down that sickness and get healed. That's who he is. That's who you are. That's who you are. Glory to God. It's who you are. Amen. So, then he said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You don't have to turn there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he said, set your eyes on things above, not on things below. He said, because the things of God are eternal. I'm just paraphrasing. He said, but the things that you see, the things below, they're temporal. They're temporary. Everything you see with your eyes, uh, Jerry Savelle said this, it's subject to change. Everything you see with your eyes is subject to change. He told a story one time of how he went into a place and the Lord had told him, if I remember correctly, the Lord had told him, the Lord had told him that you are supposed to have an office in this building. And the Lord had written that on his heart. He was supposed to have an office in this building. He goes in, and uh, he goes in, and he talks to the owner, and they didn't want to rent him the office. And, and he said, I don't remember if it was out loud or to himself, but he said, that's subject to change. <laughs> that's subject to change. And when you see something that God has given you a promise on, you need to get it inside of you. That's something I can see. It's subject to change. It is temporary. It is temporal. It will not stay. It's changing now. It's changing now. And then you don't get weary in well-doing. You don't get weary in well-doing. You just keep on. It's subject to change. In other words, we're not setting our eyes on the thing in front of us. We're setting our eyes on the promise, the character and nature of God. He's so good. He's so loving. He loves me and you with an everlasting love. He wants to, his mercy endures for us every day. Every morning, his mercy is new. Every day, his grace is sufficient. Every day, his faithfulness will pass the test, right? That's who he is towards us. So no matter what we see or what we feel, the things we see are subject to change. The things we feel on the earth, they're subject to change. But God's love for us never changes. If God's for us, who can be against us? So instead of us changing for the thing we see, how about the thing we see changes for God in us? And so when we get revelation of that, the devil tries to pull out his little tricks. He tries to pull them out, and they just don't work anymore. No! No, it's not right. This isn't right. You get revelation of who you are in Christ. Now, don't take this and try to bully your way through Walmart, you know. Oh, I want this crock pot, and I don't see any on the shelves, and it's subject to change. You better go get my crock pot! It's not that, that worker's fault your crock pot is not on the shelf. It's not your job to override people's will. That you get in dangerous territory when you start trying to override people's will. You don't want to do that. But what you can believe is that you will have full supply 
right when you need it, whether it be that crop pot or another one. You can have full supply right when you need it. Don't try to override somebody's will. You know, I've watched Christians go, in, Christians go into a restaurant and they start having revelation of their authority and it's subject to change. And they come up and, and that waitress, you know, having a bad day and all of a sudden the waitress comes out with an attitude. You know, oh, what do you want to drink? And I've watched Christians be like, do you know who I am? I am a child of the king. Like, you better serve me. Whoa. <laughs> Time out. Time out. Tweet. Flag on the play. Stop. Horrible witness. Table 33. Right? Horrible witness. Stop. Yeah, you're a child of the king. Those who will be last will be first, and first will be last. The one who will be greatest will be the servant of all. How about we serve her today? With some love of God, <laughs> child of the king, you know. How about we serve? How about we serve them? They're having a bad day. Even if it was their fault, you know what? Love conquers all, right? And I can, I can sow some love in that situation. All of a sudden, love in that situation will maybe turn something around. Maybe by the end of it, after, after we treat them nice, when they know, man, they shouldn't even treat me nice. And then we tip them. Big, right? All of a sudden they might go, y'all were so nice to me. And then you lead them to the Lord. Yeah. Right? See, this, uh, and this goes back to what we were talking about a few weeks ago is, how about when something bad happens to us, we use it as an opportunity to advance the kingdom, not just grab what's ours. Not just grab what's ours, but the love of God. So see, a lot of times we'll go through and we, you know, we've called, we've called suffering things that we don't need to be called suffering and persecution, things we don't need to be called persecuting. And, you know, I, I watched the other day somebody put a meme out and uh, it said something like, uh, what was it? Sometimes, he, he said, sometimes the devil in them just doesn't agree with the Jesus in you. Their, their spirit just doesn't agree with your spirit. Well, if that's happening all the time, everywhere you go, that's probably not the spirit of Jesus in you. That's probably the spirit of being an irritation to everybody else. So maybe it's you. <laughs> and that's where we have, to take, we have to take a good look at ourselves. We have to back off. Like you might have, you know, sometimes, and I've watched that. I've walked into, I've walked into places before, and I say, "Hey, how you doing?" And it's like evil and demonic attacks. Yeah. You know? And I've seen that, and that is true. And the Bible speaks of that. But if everybody's always, you know, you know, walking around you, maybe they're having to walk on eggshells because of a bad attitude that we've had. So we have to look at ourselves and judge ourselves so that we're not judged. So don't, you know, there's enough suffering and hardship and persecution to not create our own, right? There's enough suffering, hardship, and persecution. We don't have to manufacture any others because we haven't put down the flesh. We want to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I was really planning on getting a lot further into this like so many other times. But I want you to see this. When we get revelation of the suffering of God, what we see is, yes, there will be hardships that the world perceives as hard. But to a Christian with revelation, 
of somebody who's paid the price, it doesn't have to be hard. And I've said it many times, if you had a pair of binoculars standing on the Sea of Galilee on the shore looking at the disciples in Jesus, if you looked through and saw their predicament, you would say that the disciples had it very hard and Jesus was in the same boat with them. But in reality, the disciples were carrying weight and Jesus was carrying none. So the weight was totally different because of his revelation. It was totally different. And it's not that weight won't try to come. It's not that hardships won't try to come. They will. They will try to come. Hardships will come. Why? Because we're in a world filled with corruption. The difference is who's in the middle of it. Who's in the middle of that hardship? Who's in the middle of that? Is it a child of the king who knows the price is paid? that is ready to serve and love and pull out the fruit of the Spirit and pull out faith? Or is it somebody who goes to church and thinks everything's supposed to be easy on their flesh? Because that person who thinks, oh, I heard him say the other day, his yoke is easy and his burden's light. If this isn't easy, well, that's not God. No, 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 no. It's going to look hard to your flesh. It's going to look hard to your flesh. But that doesn't mean it's going to be hard doesn't mean it's going to be hard. I start, and, and Nicole and I, when we got this revelation years ago, all of a sudden things, things just changed. Like it went from like, man, we just felt beat up all the time to all of a sudden we were walking light. Like and I was like, this is much better. This is, I like this a lot better. Like, because it stunk before, but now I realize that, Lord, I, I get in a hard place. I don't look how to protect myself. My first view is not me. A few, first view is not ourselves. The first view, Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness first and all these things will be added to you. <clears throat> so when we seek first his kingdom, so we hit a hardship, boom, hit a hardship, we feel the pressure of it instead of going, okay, how do I protect myself, right? How many know that's the way the world teaches us? Yeah. Well, if you don't look out for yourself, nobody else is going to look out for you. Anybody ever heard that before? Yeah, if you don't look out for yourself, nobody else will. But see, all right, if you're looking out for you, who's the source of your protection? Us. I'm incomplete in myself. You're incomplete in yourself without Jesus. I can't protect me. I can't, I can't be everywhere I need protection. I'm not all powerful to protect myself, but he is. But he is. And so you stop trying to defend yourself. You stop trying to protect yourself. And so as soon as I hit that hardship and I hit that wall and I feel the weight, instead of going, oh, how do I look after myself and look after my interests and not lose? The first thing that we should do according to the word is say, Lord, what do you want to do in this situation? What do you want to do here? And what are we doing? Lord, how can your kingdom be advanced? How can it be advanced? Because if we start looking for how the kingdom can be advanced, all of a sudden now, what are we doing? We're purposing our heart to sow actions 
to build the kingdom instead of sowing actions to pay a price to protect myself and my interest. I'm seeking first the kingdom and the right way of doing things, his righteousness. And now he says, oh, I've, I've, I can't leave him alone. I've got to give to him. I've got to give to him. And I'm, I'm purposing in my heart to sow those actions. He says if you purpose in your heart, he gives seed to the sower. So he will give you the power. And then if you go in 2 Corinthians 9, it says he has all grace to abound. That's the seed. His grace is, a, is what manifests the seed of what you need. And he says, if you'll purpose in your heart to go after his kingdom first, then he'll give you supernatural power and favor to advance the kingdom and protect you. And protect you. So now when we hit that and we, we, we hit that hardship and we feel that weight, instead of going, oh man, what am I going to do? How do I protect my interest? How do I protect? We say, oh man, Lord, what are you going to do and what do you want me to do? Lord, I'm yours. What do you want me to do? Lord, I humble myself in front of you. What do you want me to do? Lord, I'm seeking you first. All of a sudden, the Lord will show you. He'll put you at ease. He'll give you rest. He'll show you what to do. He'll show you what to do. And all of a sudden, you will advance the kingdom in ways you couldn't have done it before. For example, I think it's John chapter 8, where Jesus is faced with the adulterous woman. And he has the Pharisees that throw this woman and say, hey, she was caught in the act of adultery. What does the law of Moses say to do? Well, they knew what the law of Moses said to do. The law of Moses said stone her. And so, but Jesus is in a hard place. And in that place, if he stones her, if he says, yep, stone her, right? What happens to all the people? Oh, man, this is not who I thought he was. He loses the people. If he doesn't say stone her, then he just broke the law. If he says let her go, then he, then he just broke the law. He becomes guilty of the law, and he also loses the sinless man that would save the world. And he doesn't want the woman killed. The heart of God, listen, the heart of the Father never wanted the woman killed because Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. So what did he do? He just ran into a wall in the middle of public. Bam! And here's this weight. Man, this woman's life hangs in the balance, but the life of all, all people on the earth hang in the balance on the other side. It's a hard place. It's a weighty place. What did he do? I'm not trying to protect myself. I mean, what would most of us do in that situation? Here's this woman calling that. Do we stone her? You know, most of us would be like, you know, and we'd get out of there. We'd, we'd exit stage left. Like, I don't know how to answer that. Protect ourselves. Because, I mean, this is a mob. They might get crazy in a minute. They want to stone her already. I'm next. So my, a lot of times, but what did he do? He, he backed up. He knelt. He starts drawing on the ground. I don't know what he's drawing. People have tried to come up with what he was drawing. He just starts writing in the dirt. What's he doing? He's saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm in a hard place. What do you want me to do? About that time, the wisdom of God comes. He purposed himself to give himself to the Lord. Right about that moment, the wisdom of God comes. You who are without sin, you cast the first stone. What a wisdom. 
saves the woman, saves the people, keeps the Pharisees from being evil in that moment. You know, they're utilizing this woman's life to try and get ahead. Same thing many politicians will do today. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And then all of a sudden, he, the, the Pharisees, they're sitting there, they, they realize, I got sin too. And she's got to be stoned, I, I'm next. They start dropping their stones and walking away. And then Jesus says, in the wisdom of God, in other words, it was hard and heavy just a second ago, now it's easy and light. He says, woman, I don't accuse you either. He had the right to stone her. He had the right to pick. He was the only sinless one there. He had the right to pick up the rocks and start chucking. But the will of the Father, not the will of Jesus himself, but Jesus always did what the Father's will was. And the heart of the Father was, I don't accuse you either. And then he says, go and sin no more. So many times in church, what we've done is like, Go and sin no more. Get all your stuff cleaned up, and then you come to church. But you can see the Father's heart that says, Come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. Lay your stuff at the altar. I'll forgive you. I won't accuse you. And that will empower you to go and sin no more. See, when we will do it God's way, we'll find, even when we come up to persecution and hardships, we'll find that God's way will empower us. God's way will empower us to be who we're called to be. But we got to stop looking at it from a personal and a fleshly. And You know, everybody's not against you. Everybody's not aiming for you. Most people are not even thinking about you. But the devil will come and he'll tell you, well, that person, they're talking behind your back and they're doing this and they're doing that. And it's not that. Maybe that happens sometimes. Maybe it does. But it's not all the time. Not like what we have thought and the devil's temptations have thought. And so a lot of times we'll just come up and it's like it's these hardships and we just we come under all this pressure and this condemnation and just like God and it just weighs on us and depression and thoughts of all kinds of junk and garbage and things like that. And God says, look, if you'll just turn to me and see, you know, put your eyes above and not beneath. He says, I've already kept you. Just look for me. Look for me in it. One day, years ago, some of you have heard this story. We decided it was in the old building and used to, when we first started the church, I always wore jeans and a button-up t-shirt or button-up shirt and just generally untucked, and that's how I preached all the time. When we moved into this building, the Lord told me, uh, he said, I want you to dress for the value of what you're presenting in that word. And he said, so he said, I want you to start wearing suits all the time. And I said, okay, yes, sir. And so for the most part, that's, that's what I, I do. If I'm presenting the word, I generally am in a suit. And that's just what he told me to do. You know, I don't, I don't mind what people come in here wearing. Uh, what I mind is if the Lord starts talking to you about it and you ignore it. That's, that's it. You know? But if the Lord hadn't talked to you about it, then I'm cool with it. Whatever you want to do. But here's the thing, at this point, we weren't doing that all the time. I was wearing jeans. But one day in the old building before we moved over here, uh, the Lord really dealt with our heart. And I told the whole church, I said, you know what? Next Sunday, we're going to wear our best. Like, And everybody's best may be at different levels, but we're going to wear our best. Every, I'm going to wear a suit. 
You wear it and everything. So we had this day, and everybody came in in their best. Everybody looked like dressed to the tees, you know. And uh, it was awesome. Everybody looked sharp, and it was a great day, and we had a good time, and it was air-conditioned inside, and it was great. And, uh, but outside, it wasn't air-conditioned. And we were heading to the restaurant after church, and uh, I get a phone call from Nicole. Uh, my tire's flat. Something, something stuck in my tire. I'm like, where are you? And, and then immediately, you know, it's like, it is 95 degrees outside, and I am in full suit and tie. <laughs> like, of all days that this could happen, of all days, I got to change a tire. I pull over, huh? And, oh, yeah, you had a guest in the car, too. And uh, it was like, golly. I said, just pull into that gas station. I'll be right there. And um, it wasn't long before I'd really gotten some revelation on what I'm telling you, what to do when hardship. Um, I mean, think about it. I got to change the tire. I got to change the tire in 95-degree temperature in a suit. We got about one hour of sweating and stuff like that. Honestly, I mean, just honestly, if that's the worst day that I'm having, I'm having a pretty good life. Right? I mean, really. I mean, really. If that's the worst, I'm having a pretty good life. The issue is I didn't normally have to do this. This was extra, and I didn't feel like doing it. And so all of a sudden, what, what really is not a big deal in the big scheme of things felt like, this, right? <laughs> it felt huge. And, and I'm thinking, you know, and immediately the devil comes and he's like, the, the devil comes and he's like, look at that. You honored God today. And of all God, all days that you honored God, that's the one that the tire got busted. Because you know the devil's a jerk. And I was like, man. And, I, and see, that kind of, those kind of thoughts, they, they trigger me now. Right? I'm like, oh, 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 whoa, time out. Oh, the devil's afoot here. <laughs> All right then, okay. Now he's trying to get something done. Now I recognize who's doing some of this, fine. All right, Lord, just since he attacked us, what do you want done in your kingdom? Let, I'm looking for ways. Lord, you're going to show up and make this easy and light. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know where. But I don't care what it looks like or what I got to do. Your kingdom is going to be advanced this afternoon. Yeah. See, you're approaching hardships differently. Now it's not just about you. It's about the kingdom of God. And you give God an, a grace. You give God entrance to bring grace into your life. And so all of a sudden I pull in, and uh, yeah, she didn't have a nail in her tire. She had a whole wrench in her tire. It was, it was like one of those, uh, um, what's the wrench that you can put it up notches and, huh? Channel lock. It was half of a channel lock was stuck in her tire. Like one with a bolt in the middle that, that had come apart. One half of the channel lock was stuck. I'm like... How did you do this? And, and I'm thinking, did you not see the channel lock in the middle of the road? I mean, I thought it. I don't think I said it. No, you didn't. no I did. I did. <laughs> I definitely thought it. I'm like, did you not see that? And I go to pull this thing out, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And the air goes, Whoosh. I was like, put it back in. <laughs> put it back in. Don't lose all of that air. 
And I'm sitting here in full suit, and then it was on the Bronco, right? So it's this huge, it was the Envoy? Okay. So still, it's a big tire, and, and I'm like, and I don't have a jack with me. I don't have, I'm like, I don't know. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do here? You know, it's, I'm like, I don't have the plug. Like, I can plug a tire. I know how to do that. I know how to change a tire. I know how to do a lot of stuff. But this, but this moment, I wasn't so sure about. Like, I don't know. And I just said, Lord, this is yours. This is yours. About that time, I mean, I, we hadn't been there a couple of minutes. I just assessed the situation. I'm down here in the suit, you know, on the ground, on my knees, looking at this tire. Done put the channel lock half back in. And, like, let's just leave it for right now. And uh, about that time, here comes a horse trailer pulls in. And uh, the horse trailer pulls in, and this guy comes out, and, you know, some people would have been offended by this guy. And, and uh, he, he gets out, and he goes, hey, what you got going on there? I was like, I, we have a channel lock in our tire, you know. And uh, he was like, oh, well, let me help you there. He says, you don't need to get your suit dirty. I'm like, amen. I, amen. <laughs> Glory to God, yeah. yeah I, I, amen. And uh <laughs> And, but uh, he, was, he had been doing whatever he had been doing. He, he didn't have a suit on. And uh, he was like, I got a jack right here. And he pulls out like a floor jack. He's like, whoosh, whoosh. I'm like, man, this is awesome. He lifts up, he lifts up the envoy. We, he gets the tire. I went in the store, bought some plugs, and I get the tire plugged. And, and he does it. And, and I'm, now watch this. I'm not just, I'm still, I'm not thinking about me. See, I changed that as soon as I recognized the hardship. I said, I said, wait, I said, this is about you, Lord. I was like, I think I'm supposed to pray for this guy. I think I'm supposed, I'm supposed to be a witness to this guy. And I said, I said, hey, I said, he said, there you go, all done. I said, what do I owe you? He said, you don't owe me anything. And uh, that was it. And you ever have somebody who was nice, but they're kind of like quick, in, in, their, in their verbiage and in their conversation. So I'm nice to you, but I'm not going to sit here and talk to you for the next 10 minutes. He was that kind of guy. And he, he was like, Neil, no, me nothing. And, and he was walking off. I said, listen, I said, I'm a pastor. I said, I said, can I pray for you about anything? And what do you think he said? He said, nope, I'm good. <laughs> and I was like, Well, that was, that was not what I thought he was going to say. <laughs> I was like, I thought he was going to be like, yes, you can pray for me. I need prayer. Like, lead me to Jesus. Tell me about the goodness of God. And you know, that's what I'm expecting, you know. He was like, nope, thanks. <laughs> I was like, okay. And uh, so I think I go in the store and I get a drink or something and I walk back out. And I'm getting ready to pull out of the driveway, and he's getting ready to get in his, uh, in his truck and trailer and pull off. And as I'm pulling out, he's right there, and I just I rolled the window down. And he kind of looked at me, and he said, you know what? He said, I could use some prayer. I could use some prayer. And if I remember correctly, he said, my sister's in the hospital right now. And I prayed, and the power of God, you could feel the presence of God come in. And that peace hit him. 
And now, I didn't lead him to Jesus that day. I didn't, but I planted a seed or I watered the seed that was there. And that he felt and sensed the grace of God come into his life for his sister. And see, here's the thing. He, he wouldn't have had probably any interaction with Jesus that day, but he did. What did it cost me? It cost me a little bit of sweat and I think about five bucks. And the Lord, you know, the Lord supplies. He gave me the five bucks back. I stopped sweating. I took a shower when I got home. You know, I was okay. And in the end, it really didn't cost me anything but a heart that would stop looking at myself and look at the kingdom. And now the kingdom advanced in that guy's life. And he had a positive interaction with a Christian and he had a positive interaction with the grace of God in his life because there was a Christian who decided, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about the kingdom of God always. Always. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this. We are ambassadors for Christ. Every single one of us in here may have a job that we're called to. But our occupation always is we are ambassador for Christ. I want you to just close your eyes right now and just, just say that. Say, Lord, I am your ambassador. What I do, how I act, what I say, what I think is all from your ambassador. I speak for you. I think for you. I act for you. And when I face a hardship, a persecution, a suffering, I'm not going to respond for myself. I'm going to respond for you. And I'm going to believe on you. No matter what I see, or what I feel in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I just want to invite you today to renew that relationship with God. I just want to invite you to renew it with Him today. You know, He went in front of the whole world. Jesus went in front of the whole world and died for us. And I, w I want you to think about that. Like, like if you ever got a ticket or you got in court or something and you go up in front of the judge, like how many people want to go in front of the judge and be, you know, the bad person? You know, pretty much nobody unless you're a psychopath. And um, pretty much nobody. Nobody wants to stand there in front of the judge and be the bad guy. But... A lot of times we'll stand in that place and we know we were the one who was wrong. We know we were the one who was wrong and so we don't want to be there but we kind of understand why we're there. And think about from Jesus' perspective. He actually wasn't wrong. And they destroyed him with the whip. They beat him, cursed him, mocked him, and killed him. Now, he gave his life over. They, he gave up his own life. They didn't take it from him, but 
They did all of these things, and he did all of that in front of the world. For the world to see, he did this. It's time for us to be in front of the world for him. Where he was in front of the world for us, he sowed the seed for us, and it's time for us to be that person for him. No matter what we see, no matter what we feel, when we hit that persecution and hardship and we hit that suffering, it's time for us to say, you know what, Lord, my life is yours. My life is yours. You're my source. You're my protector. Pastor Brian's not my source. Church is not my source. Government's not my source. Family's not my source. The inheritance and inheritance not my source. The lottery's not my source. My job is not my source. My spouse is not my source. My children, my grandchildren are not my source. God, you are my source in everything. You are on the throne. And everything I do is for you and about you no matter what. No matter what. I'm not going to let anything else take the place of you. I'm not going to let anything else take that place. But I'm going to do things your way. I'm going to take this word and I'm going to see what you talk to me about and what you wrote to me and the ways that you have and I'm going to do it your way. And that's what we're talking about today is no matter what we see, what we feel, what we run into, Lord, let me be about you. Let me be about your kingdom. No matter what the hardship is. I want you to see this last thing today. You understand, church is not church is not a variety show. Church is not a place to entertain you. Because a lot of times our flesh gets our flesh gets bored. Which makes sense because the Spirit of God and the flesh are always at war with each other, right? And, and church is not meant to entertain. Church is meant to grow up the ministers, which is all of us. It's meant to grow us up. And our flesh can get bored in those things. Even today, today's not a very entertaining message. And this is why I want to say this. There's not a lot of demonstrations or... I didn't blow something up or pour water all over somebody or, you know, it's not just to be entertained. If that teaches us and grows us, then okay, good. But church is there to grow us up, to build us into who we're supposed to be. And at times our flesh will be bored with that. Even this morning you might be thinking, okay, that was okay, but, you know, not very entertaining. Wasn't trying to be. What was I trying to do? What was God trying to do? Grow us. And what's interesting is like the same thing last week, having a message that's not very entertaining, but it's very important into how we operate in the world, and all of a sudden people get healed. Healed, healed, healed. God has a plan, and our flesh, the way our flesh sees it, a lot of times will go one way, and God's going the other way because the flesh and the spirit, they, they don't go together. But we need to take these moments. This is why God gives us words like this. Don't get weary in well-doing. Because he knew we would get weary in well-doing. And he told us don't do that. That's why he said the fruit of the Spirit is perseverance. In other words, by nature and by definition, your flesh is going to get bored 
with the spiritual things of God, especially when you're telling the flesh, no, you can't do that anymore. And we have to take, we have to take some authority over that. We have, to, we have to see, we have to be, you know, big boys and girls and stop letting our flesh be the spoiled kid that just wants to be entertained all the time. And we have to be big boys and girls and say, you know what, this is right and I need to work on this. And even if I've heard this before, tell it to me again. Tell it to me again because obviously I don't have it all worked out yet. I need to hear it again because the more I hear it, the more I'll get revelation of it, the more I'll walk in it. And then watch this. And when we all start walking through hardships and suffering and persecution like what I described today, Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 happens. All of a sudden our mind is renewed to who we are in Christ and what we're supposed to walk like. And as that happens, all of a sudden, our life starts to prove the goodwill of God. All of a sudden, you start having financial miracles, healing miracles. You start having words of wisdom, words of knowledge, revelation, power. You start walking in things that catches the attention of God. And if you read through 1 Peter chapter 4, one of the things that you see over and over and over and over again is do these things by putting down the flesh, going through the suffering with the grace of God, and watch this, so that God might be glorified. That God might be glorified. Because what happens is, when we will let a message form us and shape us and get the junk off of us, and then all of a sudden we are a vessel and our life is a vessel that's prepared for the grace of God, all of a sudden the grace of God will explode the glory of God. And what will happen, it will be like the healing last week and, and the healing that's going to take place today. And all of a sudden the power of God is seen because the people didn't get bored or weary in well-doing. They took up their responsibility and they said, Lord, I, I need this. I need this. I need this. It's called, uh, one, one thing in business we used to call it delayed gratification, which means basically I'll do what I need to today so that I can have what I want tomorrow. Well, see, what we want is for the kingdom to be advanced. We want the power of God flowing through us and the glory of God to be seen so that the world will know that he is so good. That's what a disciple and a believer does. But we'll never walk into the full glory of God if we keep getting bored in our flesh and jumping around and never giving ourselves to the process of God cleaning us and cleaning our thoughts up. We've got to get to the place where we say, Lord, I'm yours. And recognize, church is not just to come in here and entertain you. That's what Paul very much said. He said, I don't come in persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration and power. In other words, over a period of time, you should see power upon power and demonstration of God's love. You should see people that couldn't raise their arm that can raise their arm again. You should see the healing power of God. You should see finances turned around and promotions. and You should see that, which we're seeing all of that. You should see souls being saved and disciples being made. And You should see these things on a regular basis. But a lot of times you don't get to that without telling the flesh, shut up. Shut up, flesh. I know you're bored. Sit here and take it. <laughs> I know it. 
Now see, I'm not talking to you if you're born again. I'm talking to the flesh part that'll give you a problem, that'll sit there and turn off because it's bored. The Bible says don't get weary and well-doing. You've got to say, you know what, Lord, I need this message, and I need to apply this message. And even if I've heard this message before, I need to hear it again because it builds me up. It gets me strong. The purpose of church is not to entertain you. That's a mistake that's been made in this country. It's not to entertain you. Go to Ephesians 4, the purpose of the church is to grow you to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, not because he did everything that was entertaining to him, but what did we see? Even as a child, you saw him sitting in the temple discussing the things of God. Now, was his flesh, did his flesh like those things? No. He had a flesh like us. He was tempted like us. His flesh doesn't like those things, but his spirit man did. The real you has to decide who's on the throne, our flesh who gets bored or the spirit man that God has renewed that's an ambassador. It's an ambassador. Lord, grow me up. My flesh might not like it. Grow me up. I might feel weary, but I'm not going to get weary in well-doing. Grow me up because I have a responsibility to my God to be a person that walks in the fullness of what you've told me is available. Even if nobody else in the room ever does it, Lord, me and you, I have a responsibility to you. Because I won't be standing in front of everybody else on, on that day. I'll be standing in front of you, Jesus. And it's your testimony that I want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. So take this word today and don't just hear it and be like, amen. No, let it change you. If you don't come to church every Sunday ready to be changed, you're looking at it through the wrong lens. Every Sunday you all say, what am I taking out of here that I'm going to do different from this, this week forward? Every Sunday, what, what am I doing? How did I grow today? Can you answer that question? How did I grow? What did I see today that needs change? Or what is it that was, that was uh, lifted up and amplified that I need to keep doing that? I need to keep doing that. What is it that you saw change today? So today, I, I, want, I want us all to say, Lord, I'm yours. I want you to just close your eyes right now. If you're sitting there and you're saying, Lord, I know I, I, need to, I need to make a fresh commitment with you. I've never made one or I've made one, but it's not been fresh. If that's you and you want to make that, Lord, I want to walk with you the way that I should. I want to be in fellowship with you. Jesus, I believe in you as my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to act like it. I'm, I'm going to live like you're my Lord. If that's you today, I just want you to raise your hand quickly. Amen, I see that. I see that. Anybody else? Lord, I want to walk. And you could have been born again before, but you're saying today, Lord, Lord, I need to commit to you. It's a new day in my life. Today is a new day. You're calling me to do some higher things than what I've done before. If that's you, I just ask you to raise your hand. Anyone else? Lord, today is a new day. Amen. 
just so I can see everybody. If you raised your hand, I just ask you to raise it for about five seconds so I can see it. I want to pray for you. I see those. Keep it up for just a few more seconds. I see those. Number of hands. I want all of us in here to pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus, today. You can put your hand down. Jesus, today, you're the Lord of my life. I don't have to walk through hardships and get beat up, but I can be your ambassador. And today, I'm deciding I will be your ambassador. Today, I will walk like you, Jesus. From this day forward, and you will empower me. You will strengthen me. You will help me. I'm not looking at the flesh. I'm not looking at the problem. I'm looking at you. I'm setting my eyes above. Not on the thing that's causing hardship that's about to change. I'm your ambassador. Jesus, you're my Lord, and I believe that you died for me and that God brought you back to life. And you didn't leave me in that place of death, in that place of lack, but you raised me to life and the fullness of life. And as I go, you're going to fill me with that life. I'm going to carry it with me. I'm going to shine it. I'm going to let your glory be seen. People will know you because you've been in me. Jesus, I ask you, baptize me in the Holy Spirit and fire to live like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Do you receive that? Do you receive it? Are you going to walk in it? Is your life going to change because of it? Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you're sitting there today and you heard this message and you're sitting there saying, I need to make that change. I want, I want to seal what pastor was talking about today. I want that in me. I want to walk like that. I want to walk in easy and light. I don't want to walk in hardship. If you want to, you want to shine the glory of God, even if your tire gets a channel lock in it. You want to shine the glory of God everywhere you go. You want to carry that. If that's you, I ask you to come up and say, Lord, today I want it to be different from this day forward. If you have something and, and you're wanting healing in your body or restoration, I ask you to come up. If today's your day, today, Lord, I'm receiving that. I'm walking in this. I'll never be the same. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Put on the faster music. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you want, if you need restoration in your finances. If you've got something, Lord, I just need your help. I need your help. I've been trying to do it. It's not been working. Lord, I need your help. If that's you, I invite you to come up right now. Lord, we thank you for it and we praise you. Glory to God. 
We thank you and we praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And when I lay hands on you, I'm going to utilize the name above every name, Jesus. The name above every name. And belief on that name heals the sick, raises the dead, casts out devils, brings restoration to bodies, brings restoration to minds. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. Lord, we receive that restoration. Everybody's quiet today. Do you receive? Do you receive? Lord, today's my day. Say it with me. Today is my day. Are you going to receive when I pray for you? Are you not just going to receive from Pastor Brian, but receive from the Lord? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> yes. Amen. So hopefully, today is your day. Thank you, Lord. Just start receiving now. Lord, I receive. I receive your goodness and your mercy. You start pouring out on some of you now. Some of you, I won't even be able to lay hands on you. The power of God will hit you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. The Lord is touching you, Austin. He's blessing you. He's touching your life. You're not the same. Thank you, Lord. Healed. Amen. Lord, we just come against this stuff that's held him back. Lord, that he'll be able to be free from everything, every bondage, every limit in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, receive everything you have now as done. You'll never have to pray for this again. That's the way we receive it. I'll never have to pray for it again. It's done. And when the devil tries to say, no, nah, you don't have it, you say, I did. I received it that day in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So Yeah, that anointing, that overflow, that overflow in Jesus' name. Thank you. Man, thank you, Lord, for your anointing. That fire of God flowing through her life. Thank you, Lord, right now. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Receive now in the name of Jesus. It's mine. I have it. It's mine now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, today's the day. Today's the day. No more hardship. No more persecution that overflows. No, but all of a sudden, easy and light in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So broken and all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So broken and So Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Hallelujah. And overflow in Jesus' name. An overflow in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for an overflow in Jesus' name. <laughs> so breaking it. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Yeah. 
I, I got your note, and we believe we receive it right now in Jesus' name. Complete restoration to that memory. Lord, shock that memory. Bring it back fresh and new in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> yeah, glory to God. All of the cobwebs removed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we receive it, and we receive your anointing. Whoo, so vocal from the top of her head to the soles of her feet in Jesus' name. Oh, glory, glory. So they decode them also. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Father. Wholeness be, wholeness be, wholeness be in Jesus' name. Wholeness be. Wholeness, wholeness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Let it be today. Today, lives change, never to be the same. Being ministers, being ministers everywhere they go, shining the light of God. Shining the love of God, shining the grace, grace and the graciousness and the glory of God in Jesus' name. Now just reach into that salvation, all of that package you've had for so long, and grab a hold of it by faith and walk it out. You got everything you need, <laughs> and you know it. You got everything you need. Yeah, you got everything you need. Oh, thank you. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Now, don't just grab it with your head. Grab it with your faith. Lord, I got it. I got it. Thank you, Lord. So did the quote Mosul. Today's a new day. No more hardship. No more persecution. That's not easy in life. Thank you, Father. So Thank you, Father. Ha, help. Help in Jesus' name in every way. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands. Say, Lord, I receive today. Thank you, Lord. No matter what came up, no matter what was there, no matter what's tried, no matter what storm arose, no matter how hard or difficult it seemed like, Lord, you're bigger than it. You're bigger than it. Jesus, your name is above it all, and it's working out right now. If I could pull back the veil between our world and the spiritual world, God would be being God. He's working on your half right now, pouring out his love. Now, let your anointing right now flood her and flood her life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You have it now in Jesus' name. It's working in you now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Man, there's more people up here than what I expected. The Lord moved in a message today to take things to another level. Thank you, Lord. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Bless them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Peace, peace be. Peace be. Take those thoughts captive and walk in the peace of God. He's got it all. Thank you. Just say it. Say, Lord, I'll walk with you in your peace in Jesus' name. 
Thank you, Lord. Now, wholeness and healing, healing and wholeness be in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And overflowing grace and overflowing mercy be in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, have your way. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, just raise your hand. Lord, today's a new day. Say it with me. Today is a new day. I'm going to walk in your glory. I'm going to walk in your light. I'm going to walk in your love. I'm a victor. I'm in triumph. I'm a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. Yeah, today's your day. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for continuing an overflow in Jesus' name. An overflow in the name of Jesus from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Thank you, Lord, for pouring out in Jesus' name. For pouring out in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just raise your hands. Thank you, Lord, right now. Yeah, thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy and an overflow. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy in an overflow. Yeah. What you've experienced so far is just going to get better and better and better and better. You heard that verse today, Proverbs 4. Every step getting brighter and brighter. It's happening now. So they call the happening now in Jesus' name. Every step in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy and your anointing, healing, and restoring now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yeah, blessing of God be in the name of Jesus. Let nothing be held back, nothing missing, nothing broken. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Full supply, full supply, full supply, full supply. Fresh, fresh filling of the Holy Ghost, taking it home with you, letting it overflow. Oh, that house be filled with the glory. It'll be filled with the glory in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So Good to see you again, man. Love you. Blessing be in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for overflowing. Overflow in the name of Jesus. So Lord, thank you for changing hearts, changing minds. Lord, give them your strength to be everything called them to be. Let them walk it out. Let them walk it out. Let them live a life that makes you so happy, Lord. 
Well done, good and faithful servant. That's your end. That's what he's leading you to. Lord, give him the strength to be that. Let it manifest now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Good to see you again. Hey, can I pray for you? That'd be all right. Lord, right now, we just thank you for your fullness and your overflow in Jesus' name. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Everywhere she goes, everything she's doing, the peace of God and the grace of God will start to move in her life in ways she's only dreamt of. Lord, let it overflow. Let it overflow in Jesus' name. Father, I see things that used to weigh on her, but they, don't, they won't weigh on her anymore. All of a sudden, your grace rises up, meets it, blows it away. She's like, oh, my goodness. She calls up Lashika. Lashika, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you what just happened in Jesus' name. This used to bother me. Oh, I got victory over it. It's peace. That's the will of the Lord. Lord, bring it about now in Jesus' name. Grace and peace be multiplied in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for your help. Thank you for your help. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today is your day. Walk these things out. See what God does. Watch it as he leads you along the path. All of a sudden, you'll be ministering in places you didn't even realize you needed to minister in. But as you look for the areas, you start looking. Hey, your kingdom can be advanced here. Your kingdom's going to be advanced here. Your kingdom's going to be advanced here, Lord. And you see, you start seeing, this is everywhere I go. My kingdom's going to be advanced. Everywhere I go, the kingdom of God that I'm in, it's going to be advanced here. The kingdom I'm in, it's going to be advanced here at the gas station, at the grocery store. It's going to be advanced in your home. It's going to be advanced in your family. You're carrying something. You're carrying the glory. You're carrying the love of God. You're carrying the manifestation of His faithfulness inside of you. His healing, His power. You carry it everywhere you go. Are you ready to carry it? Yeah. Amen. If you are, shout amen. amen. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Come on, God's not done right now. He, we have a whole week of God's blessings getting ready to pour out on us because, because we chose to be here today. Amen. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Father, thank you, Lord, for overflowing joy. God, that is ours today. Father, thank you, Lord, that you have good things in store for us. And God, we're excited about it. God, we're excited for what you're getting ready to do. We're excited for what you've already done, but God, we're excited that you're not finished. God, you have mighty, mighty things in store for us today. And God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Amen. I want to give you guys a couple quick announcements before we head out. Uh, tonight at 4 o'clock, we have youth service. It's move-up day, so that means we have some new youth coming in. Tonight at 4 is also water day, so we're going to make sure... Uh, Make sure any teenagers from grade 6 to 12, uh, make sure you come tonight ready to get wet because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be awesome. All right, we got live groups later on this week. Make sure you're a part of that. If you're not a part of a live group, come talk to one of us and we'll connect you with a life group leader. Uh, what? Yes, so make, this is the last, uh, is that on my notes? Oh, no, I missed it. All right. We want to let you guys know that during August, Life Groups will be taking a break. So this, if you want to go to Life Groups, make sure you go this week because it's the last one for, for a month. All right. Ladies are meeting tomorrow night at 
uh, it's different than men's. Six o'clock at Pizzantica Pizza and I don't know how to pronounce it. You, what is it? Pizzantica Pizza and what is it? Pizzantica. Yeah, it's whatever. You know what I'm talking about. All right. T tomorrow at six, ladies are going to be meeting there. I'm glad I'm bringing some joy. Holy Ghost Weekend is going to be August 13th through 15th. Make sure, make sure you schedule time to be a part of that. We're, we're far enough ahead. Make sure you do what you can to make sure you're a part of that. We got prayer night at 6.30 on Friday. We have uh, soul winning Saturday on Sunday, or on Saturday. Soul winning Saturday is not on Sunday. It's on Saturday at 1 o'clock, and then we have Holy Spirit uh, services. It's going to be awesome. And then Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. is going to be here uh, at the end of of August, last week of August, he's going to be setting up a tent out at the YMCA. If you want to serve, if you want to grab some flyers before you head out, make sure you do that. Invite as many people as you can, because that's going to be a powerful week of signs, wonders, miracles. It's just going to be phenomenal. But guys, until then, we love you guys. We will see you next time. Amen. Amen.